director, right? Just like it should be in our lives and our personal walk with, with the Lord, there should be one director in your life. When you start following, look, if you start following two people and at any point those people have a different opinion, it's going to split your loyalty somewhere. You see what I mean? Anytime you've got, and you, you've got this one thing, and then somebody else emerges in your life as a leader, because we have sometimes are pastors, youth pastors, coaches, so forth and so on. But we have to look, if Christ is my, I'm following him, and, he's, and then I've got these other leaders in my life, I always make sure that they step up and they're walking with him. Does that make sense? But if they come short of that, or because I'm going to still follow them, but if we get up and I'm following them, and then all of a sudden they start doing this, I can't do this either. I've got to keep going forward this direction. So sometimes we have to make these hard decisions in our life to follow the Lord, and no matter what cost, and it's not easy to do that, to surrender what God has for our lives. It is not an easy thing. But guess what? It's required. It's not even an option. When you look up at me, when we give our lives to Jesus, when we become a follower of the Lord, you know, we've got to make sure that, um, you know, Christ is the very center of everything that we do. And he's got to be the focus of everything. Is everybody in here? I feel like people are missing. Okay, maybe not. You just look shorter than you normally do. Maybe my eyes are not good this morning. All right, let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 13. And let's look at verse 4. Well, let's start with verse 1 so we kind of get it in context. He says, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. It says, if that happens, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. Now that is flat out loaded. Am I right? Because we're talking about being a followers. You all go, I wonder how many people, how many follow me like on social media in some capacity? Who does not follow me in social media? You're blessed. Don't follow me. I'm, you know, I'm kidding. You don't follow me? You, you, don't like, you don't like me, do you? But that's how people would feel, right? Look at me. I want you to look at me. I don't really care. I don't know what that means. But anyway, I'm asking that. But you're, do you all have social media at all? Any of you? You do? Okay. You don't follow me? You don't like me. I'm kidding. But you're following some things, right? I mean, like, it might be a cooking show. I don't know what you follow or somebody you like that does art. Or, you know, we have people that, the whole point is, but we've got to get that and be careful that people that we put in our lives and, and what we're following and who we're following. So let's look at this, and we're going to write some things down. All right. You shall walk after the Lord your God. But notice what it said. For you follow, somebody tells you any other dream that's different than what God said, guess what? Keep your eyes on Jesus. And listen, there are going to be people all in your life. You know, even, even, even uh, all these social medias have a word. And do you all know this word? They're called influencers. You ever heard that? Anybody heard of influencers? What's an influencer? Can you tell me? Like in social media, what does that mean? Anybody have an idea? How many of you know of an influencer? All right, what's it mean, Lily? Because you're trying to be one. Am I right or wrong? In, in a way, cutting it. And that kind of what it is, you know what I'm saying? You're like saying, hey, you know, I've got the ends on this, kind of watch this. You know, because influencers say this is good or this is kind of bogus or they kind of say, oh, and if you follow me, I'm tasting food today and you should go to this restaurant. A lot of influencers do that. Oh, I do baby products over here and you watch me and I'm going to influence you on how to. And so people pay them to influence. Am I right? So am I close-ish? But it's also they're trying to influence on a certain thing. Am I right? Trying to kind of, this is cool or this is not or this. Am I right? Kind of, okay. All right. So I want to make sure. So in the same way in life, we have that even if we don't go on social media. You have people influence you. Who would you say the biggest influencer in your life is? Parents. Man, what kids? Is that good? <laughs> Usually. I love it. 
but they do have a big influence on you. And I'll tell you something. You have one of the most bold set of bold parents that in the world. I mean, they're, they're not going to they're not going to cut you either any slack. I mean, it's just how it is. And they'll throw you under the bus as soon as they would anybody else. Get your crap together on time for that. Am I right? But at the same time, but they're at least they're it's a positive influence. Why do you think they do that? You think they're mad at you? Sometimes they get mad at you. But do you think it's because they're trying to push you to be something bigger, something greater? You can do this. His mom came to me. I want to share this. Can I embarrass you a little bit? I don't care. I'm going to do it. Ah, okay. So his daughter, I mean his sister, that's not your daughter, don't speak. But anyway, I was loving it. You were you were loving hitting her yesterday. I saw that. You're like, I'll pay you back for everything. And and you're like, and I heard her at one point, you got it in my face. Didn't you? <laughs> And I wondered, okay, he's going to die probably after this, or she'll be okay with it. But regardless, you know, you're the, you are more of a type A. You're out here, and you don't mind to do whatever. Okay, you're more like, well, I'm chilling. I'm back here to do my thing. Am I right or wrong? Okay. So, so we do this thing called AIM, but we do it up north, right? And so, of course, you sing. You're all in there. You do it. And it's like, and then you show, you're all very supportive. So you'll show up. And you come, so his mom's like, you don't understand the artist that he is. I'm going to embarrass you a little bit. Right here is, one, is an incredible artist. I mean, not just okay, he's like, like here. Like, if you see some of his drawings, you're going, is that a picture or is that a painting? Okay, fair enough. You're like, oh, I don't know. He paints shoes and makes a killing. Okay, people seek him out to make to paint shoes for them and make them what they need to be as well. And he paints painting. You do stuff for, you do all kinds. You're already making money on your art. You're probably beat Thomas Kim Cade at this point. I don't know. But anyway, that's another story. Do you know who that is? Okay, you're blessed. No, I, I love Thomas Kim Cade. I got some of his works. But he's a famous artist, and he's a Christian artist. And his, but anyway, I'm saying that to say, you know, there are people influencing your life. But your influencers... Because of what you're in, maybe a sports and you love to sing and things like that, right? Are not your influencers. Fair enough. But if Jesus is still the center, you're still going toward Christ. You see what I mean? But when you have these other influences in your life and they start to go a different direction, you, if you're believers, have to keep your eyes on the author and finisher of your faith. So you follow, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. If your parents tell you something that's not of the Lord, I, I, I'll tell you this real quick. Parents are great influences. I wouldn't plan on sharing this, but I'll share this because of what you said. When I was a little kid, and you know that, it wasn't raised in a Christian home, and my mom and dad were cuss, sleeping around, doing everything else you could ever imagine. And I remember my mom wanted me to go to this place on Friday nights with her, all of our kids to go, and it was a place called The Barn. And the barn was a place where they did bluegrass and country music and people would dance, but there'd be some liquor out in the cars and, you know, people. And they, it was a family place where kids would come and they'd be up and they'd be dancing and doing their stuff. And, and then, but I hated it because the environment was just so not good, you know, because I kept, and I, you felt dark there, if that makes sense. And even though it was a family place, there were things, married men and women are hooking up with each other and leaving. It was just not good. And I could sense that even as a kid. And so I was deeply involved in church, and I loved Jesus and all that. And my mom would say, you're going with us. I said, I am, I am not going with you. I, I'm not going. And I, I put my foot down. And she said, you will obey. My mom always put that. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That's what the Scripture says. Your mom's never pulled that one, has she? <laughs> She's not had to. She'd beat you if you got out of line. But, I mean, parents use those, Right? Honor your father and your mother. You know, they'll, if you love me, you would. I mean, we get those, right? So my mom would say that, but it was about doing things that were wrong. And so I had this big turmoil in my life because I was trying to follow Jesus. But then my parents, who you're, you have to obey, are giving you words. And some of them, and some of you, it could be they could ask you to sleep with them. They may ask you to smoke dope with them or go buy a pot for them, like some of my boys that I've had come through my home. My mom wants me to go buy dope because I get better dope than she does. I mean, those are the kind of kids that, you know, you can be influenced with your parents, right? So I went to my pastor and said, I've got an issue. I said, I'm trying to obey the Lord. And I said, but, but my parents, my mom's asking me to go to this place and, and, do, and, and cover for her when she's 
you know, cheating on my dad. Or I said, this is just not right. I can't do it. And I said, she throws it in my face. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this. He said, well, let's look at that passage of Scripture. So we flipped over in the Bible and we started reading. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And I, and I read it. I said, I already have it memorized. And he said, well, let's read it again. I was getting mad. I said, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. He said, one more time. I was going, children, I was like, he's giving me therapy. I'm like, what are you doing? And I said, children, obey your parents in the Lord. He said, stop. What did you just say? I said, in the Lord. And he said, ah. You wouldn't believe the freedom I felt that day. <laughs> he said, if your parents or anybody in your life that's an influencer is asking you to do something that's not in the Lord or influencing you to do something that's not in the Lord, you're not under that. You follow Jesus. It's not disobedience. It's honoring God. And I was like, what an epiphany. And so I didn't go back and say, I don't have to do that. <laughs> I literally walked up to my mom and I said, Mom, what you're asking me to do is not honoring to the Lord, and I can't do it. You're asking me to go against some convictions in my heart. And she said, you don't have to go. It was that simple. When I pulled the God card, it was done. And I never went on Friday nights. So y'all got the picture? You're going to have other people, maybe your parents. It doesn't matter who it is. If they're influencing you in a way that's not of the Lord, that's where you get to separate and follow. And that's what he's saying in this passage of Scripture. So let's look at it. We get these quick things down. And I'll go, I know you say you won't go quickly. I will go quickly. I promise I'm going to go quickly. Write this down. Okay, so radical follows according to Scripture. And it says this, and we're just going straight from Scripture. One verse we're going to look at. Okay, verse 4. And it says this. What's it say in verse 4? And i got to find it. And Oh, yeah. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him, and fear that word is revered. So let's look at it. We must, what? If you're a radical follower, we must follow God. Bottom line is just follow God. Bottom line is you do what God wants more than anything else. You know what? You have to follow God. Do you know who our worst enemy is? It's not your parents. It's not the influencers. You know who your worst enemy is? Yourself. Because we, the Bible says even our own hearts deceive us. So sometimes we think, this is good for me. I'm doing the right thing because it feels right. But just because it feels right doesn't mean it is right. So when we look at this, oh, she's popped them all up there. We're all up in the business. Eat, oh, Lord. <laughs> I, it's all good. I was going to do one at a time. But we just got them all up in there. It's been a hard day. <laughs> I went, by the way, let's give Stephanie literally a hand. She's worked all week on all of this is every day, running the songs, going, ying, 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 and trying to get back to this. And every morning I throw this at her, and she's like, thank you. I can have it. So it's not, but thank you. Just leave it. But we're going to look at the first one. We what? Radical followers what? Number one, must follow God. That's your first one. All right? You've got to follow God. Bottom line is, when everything else falls apart. Number two, what is it? it and it says, you, he must fear him. That's the second thing we see in that scripture. What's it saying? We're going to read it to you so you know I'm not lying to you. Use the Bible. He says we must walk, that means to follow after, means to follow after or walk, uh, walk after the Lord your God and fear him. We look at that word fear. It means to revere. What does that mean? We said you must fear the Lord. Somebody says, do you fear God? Absolutely. Why do you think I fear God? Somebody said, why do you think I fear God? I'm going to tell you why. He can kill you. That's enough, right? I mean, <laughs> but... <laughs> He can kill you. That's it. Somebody tell me that one time. He can just kill you. So that's a good reason to kind of uh, to revere. But that's not what it is. I grew up in a faith where you had to fear him that way. Like, like he's Guido, as Mark would say, and he's holding you over the fires, ready to drop you into the pits of hell if you do something wrong. And I've learned God so much more than that. He would that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. God's heart is for grace and to extend those things. But uh, we trample on that sometimes. But it says we have to revere him. And it's kind of like being called to the principal's office. That has never happened to you, has it, Noah? Yes. Uh -huh. When they call out that name on the intercom, hey, Noah. Come to the office, please. Noah Marshall. You're like, because you're like, what did I do? What did I got? Now, you knew you did a lot of things, but you, you got caught at one of them, right? That's the hard part, isn't it? So then they call you the office. You're sweating all the way down there. Am I right? Why? Because they can kill you. 
<laughs> no, that's, no, but your daddy can once he finds out what happened at school. Am I right? Nod your head. Yes, okay. Uh, he's CIA. He could carry the body. They never find you again, okay? All right, you got it? No. But seriously, you get a little nervous, don't you? Because why? We revere that position. When you're going down the road, if you, how many of you drive? How many teenagers drive? Come on, raise your hands. You're going down the road, you're driving, and you hear, whoop, whoop. Ah, that is never good, right? Whoop, whoop. What's that mean? The popo is in the house, right? And it's like, that's not good. You see those little blue lights, and your heart, it's done happened to me before. It's like, oh, gosh. And you pull over, oh, your tail lights out. And I'm like, thank God. Because you think, am I going to, or whatever it happens to be. But you fear. You have that, why? You revere the position of that authority that's in your life. And some of you need to have that holy reverence. To revere means to reverence something. We say we love God and we show no reverence and no fear for him, no respect for that. And we do what we want to do when we want to do it. So if we truly love the Lord, it should be like we don't want to disappoint him. It's like my grandmother. I revered my grandmother. I didn't fear her because now she was a strong woman, but I knew my grandmother would never hit me. My mamma would. <laughs> my grandma. I mean, my grandmother, because she loved me, and we had a great relationship. You know why my grandmother would never have to hit me? I revered her and loved her so much that I never wanted to disappoint her. I revered that position. She was at a place of honor in my life. And Jesus, look at me. Until you put Jesus as a place of honor in your life, you will never be a radical follower of Christ. It's impossible. You have to honor him above everybody else in your life, above your best friend. That means I'm going to honor Jesus. And Marty says, I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus. I'm sorry, Brianna, you're making some bad mistakes. I love you, but you can't be in my bubble right now. Get it together. One thing that we don't want to talk to other people about, and that's accountability. If we revered the Lord, we'd have accountability in our life. We would look to them and say, Chloe, if I get out of line, watch my life. Tell me if I'm not doing something right. Not judging me, just let me know. Sometimes I'm like kind of clueless. And teenagers can get very clueless. And we can. We, we can do that because it's like we're on these missions and, well, everybody else is kind of doing it, so it must be okay. It must be not too immoral because nobody's really calling anybody else out. So I guess if everybody's okay with it, I should be okay with it. But there's still things where everybody's still okay with it, but it's still not the best choice if you're honoring God. So we have to honor God above all things. Above all things. You got that? We revere him. What's the next one? We must keep his commandments. What's the next phrase in, in verse 4? It says, we must follow after him. We must revere him. And the next one says, and keep his commands. Keep his commands. What are his commands? Let's take, he, he resolves, as a matter of fact, in the, in the verse above that, it says, it says that, that you should follow the Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's in like around verse 3, if you see that. Okay, that, and what's that reflective of the Ten Commandments, which is reflective also when Christ spoke in the New Testament. He said, all the other commands and commandments can be wrapped up into two. You know what they are? Anybody know what the first one is? What is it? Love God, and that's what it says in this passage of Scripture. Somebody tells you something, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's command number one. What's commandment number two? Love your neighbor as yourself. So if I love the Lord God with all my heart, well, Billy, why are there ten commandments? But Jesus said, oh, you have to follow two. Because all of the ten commandments fall within two. Did you know that? Because it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then the Ten Commandments say, you will have no other gods before me. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. Keep the Sabbath holy. Well, those that are lined up are about God. And if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you'll keep the Sabbath. You won't uh, use his name in vain. You won't have idolatry. You won't worship other gods. Y'all got that? So he's saying that. So that's why it can be wrapped up into two. And the second parts of that uh, Ten Commandments, it's all about uh, love your neighbor, you know, love your neighbor yourself. It means it, 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 it says, you know, don't commit adultery. You know, don't lie. Don't steal because those are sins against your neighbor. So you see, that's why he says you're wrapped up into two. Does that all make sense now? So we got to keep his commands. Follow him, revere him, keep his commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that uh, is the issue. You know why it's hard to love our neighbors as ourselves? Because some of us don't like us. 
Some of y'all struggle with self-esteem and think that you're not worth very much because of what's been done in your life or the things that have been said to you. And so your self-esteem, I say, many too many kids, your self-esteem is down around your ankles. So you got to pull it up. You know what I'm saying? you got to get a hold of that and say, now, wait a minute. I know who I am in Jesus. It's like putting on a bunch of spanks in your life and get over yourself and say, okay, and I don't know what that's like because I've never had a pair on. But, you know, I'm glad that some of the girls there at the theater wear spanks when they get in some of those outfits. Am I right? Angie will say, Angie tell, I mean, we know. You know that true. Am I right? You all know girls. Who else at the theater? Do you, I, even, we're like, Mm-mm, this is going to look a whole lot better. This is going to look a whole Get them on. And then I, who was it? Who is it the other day? Had one said, and said, I got on two pair. I was like, I was like, but I know that if one little slit that comes bubbling out, it's over with. And sometimes it's like, can you help me get in this? I wish we had Manx. We need them for men. I'm just saying, do they get me a pair? I want a pair. Can, oh, can you get me one? <laughs> Buy us one. You're always bringing me good shirts. <laughs> what? Fun, we need a fundraiser for Billy have some Manx, all right? But anyway, it's like cinch it up. You know, it's like, but the thing is, we, our self-esteem sometimes, they're way down around our ankles, right? And it's like, because somebody's knocked that out of you, and you walk in, you're like, I don't have it. You know, you got to pull up that self-esteem, and it's not easy to get up. You know, it's not easy. That's a horrible illustration, but you get the picture. In your life, honestly, you've got to, it's not easy to say, say, I'm loved. Yeah, right, I don't feel loved, because it's all about our feelings, so we have to look at the Word of God and realize who we are in Christ. If you are, think about this. Anytime you think bad about yourself or low about yourself, I send people to Psalm 139. Because the reality is mental illness, depression, suicide thought, and I loved it because you saw those numbers coming up yesterday when we were at Ground Zero, right? About, but I already knew those numbers, right? One in four of you, look up here at me, will be sexually molested before you're age 18 by somebody no love and trust. One in four. That wasn't up there. How many people in alcoholism, drugs, depression? Percentages are growing every day. Why? Because Satan hates you. But Psalm 139 says that you are fearfully and you're wonderfully made. Regardless, parents look at you and say, you are a mistake. I was talking to uh, Garrett yesterday. He goes, you know, I've started thinking. He said, I have a twin. <laughs> he said, you know, how did you say it? One of us must be a mistake. Is that what you said? <laughs> he said, because, what did you say? Because really, my parents only expected one. And he said, so one of us had to be the mistake. Are you insinuating it might be your sister? <laughs> he said, yes. So, but really, in reality, your parents have never made you feel that way. But some people do. Some of you, your parents look say, we didn't even want to have you. You just happened, you know, and it's like, no, you did something to make that happen. And listen, <laughs> did they say that to you? <laughs> I think it's true. Let's. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, though. But I'm picking. But so, but but remember, Psalm one thirty nine says, no, 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 that God knit you together in your mother's womb, that you are fearfully and you're wonderfully made, that before the world was, you know, even created, you. The days for you were ordained in God's book. He knew you were going to be. He had a plan for you. I say, so you got to remember that, that, no, there's not a mistake in this world. And so to love, you don't love yourself. How can you love your neighbor when you feel that you're not good enough? And people like me will make you feel like you're not good enough. Nod your head. Because I will ride you. Ooh, I will ride you. But there's a difference when somebody's ripping you apart to pull you apart. It's another thing when somebody takes you through. Anybody play football or basketball, any sports? And so the training, I'm going to say a bad word, sucks. And you get tired. And why do we have to run so much? And my muscles are sore. And you think that coach is not liking, what What do you mean one more lap? I want to rip your head out. But then there's conditioning you to be something great. Your coach, you hear me, never gets the trophy. You do. All right? It's not sitting on his mantle. 
but who made you who you are. You see what I'm saying? And so that's what you've got to understand. That some of y'all, I don't get the trophy. You get the trophy. And I walk away with, he's a this, and I don't, bleh. And I'm like, I'm up, but you know what? I'm not here to be your best friend. But spiritually, when it comes to Jesus, I'm going to drive him home. And my expectations are here when I look at the potential of what God can do in your life. But sometimes people like me have to be careful because I look and go, oh, this person's not handling it that way. You had to change that when you were with youth and going, they're not getting it that way. They think I'm like riding them. And I'm like, well, I am because you're looking at this one going, look, I expect, look at you. You've got the package to do it. This one over here can't handle it. You're like, I can't speak to them the same way. Some, I, at theater, somebody said, if you ever spoke to me like you spoke to that person, I would just crumble. I said, I would never have to talk to you that way. You are so receptive to whatever needs to be done. This person over here is so hard-headed. I still tell them they still don't do it. I mean, you know, it's like, you don't, it's, people are different. And so, but we have to respond to that. But everything still should be done in love to encourage and to love your neighbor Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor. What? Love your neighbor as yourself. And those are the little things that come under keep his commandments. That, those are the two that are bumped under keep his commands. What's the next one say? This is right in the Bible. Did you realize that what I'm teaching from, I'm not saying anything. It's one verse. And I'm going right through that verse word for word. We read over the word of God, and we're like, okay, and we're done with it. That one word, that one scripture verse is preached on. We must follow God. The next line says, we must revere God. We must keep his commands. The next one says what? We have to obey him. Oh, how many of you are like me and have a rebellious spirit? Raise them up. If somebody says no, you will go up to the edge and go, I know you said no, and so I'm not going to step over the line. But I'm not, Billy. We take kids to IA camp. And we used to go out, well, we still do. We'll go out to, uh, to this place out in the woods, and uh, it's called Greenbrier, and it's creek and water and all this kind of stuff. And we will say to them, here are your boundaries. Don't go past the rocks that are up here, whatever else. And then you'll have it inevitably. Have a kid's like wandering around. I'm like, uh, yo. And, he, and, and they, you'll see everybody else go up to that edge. The first place they go. I mean, they could be anywhere else. They go all the way up to the edge, to the edge of it, and go. And they'll look at you. And they'll go, I'm not over it. I, I'm, I didn't go over it. But what, why do we feel we have to go to the edge of that to prove the boundary? How many of you push the boundaries? We do. I'm one of those that does the same thing. Can I tell you, though, with what you got to be careful when you're a follower of Christ? that will respect that boundary. Is that boundary there? Why do you think I'd do that for the kids? Is it because I'm mad at them and you're going to do what I tell you to do and you're going to learn the discipline? No. It's because I know past that there's poisonous snake in the water and there's whatever else is going on in your life. You know what I'm saying? Okay, you need to... We're good. He's... Okay. All right, you got what I'm saying? You're pushing those boundaries, all right? So love the Lord your God with all your heart. You must what? Obey him. What does Jesus say? Obedience is greater than sacrifice. Because some of you sit here, I've given up this for Jesus. I have, I go to transformed on Sunday night. Say, give up my whatever you watch. I don't know. Uh, I'll do this. I have been here. You don't understand the sacrifice that I have made. God says, Well, I'm glad. Jesus died for you. He made the ultimate sacrifice. You can talk about sacrifice what all you gave up all day long. Jesus said, you know what? You're even sacrificing things I never asked for. He didn't ask you. All he's asking is just obey. You don't have to sacrifice it as much as just obey it. You don't have to give up a lot of things. You just have to do what he's asked you to do. Because obedience is a sign that we believe Jesus is who he says he is. We had a little song when we were a little kid in children's church. Y'all know the song? Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Action is, no, he do it immediately. The joy we will receive. Da, da, da. Remember, it goes O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. You remember that? There's a phrase in there I left out. I don't know what it was. 
But do you may know it. Doing exactly what the Lord commands, doing it happily. Action is the key. Do it immediately. The joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. O B E D I E N C E. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. So if we really believe, we'll obey. When if we say I believe, therefore do. All right? We don't do that. All right, so we look at the scripture. Follow God, revere him, keep his commandments, love the, which are love the Lord your God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself, obey him. And the next one, it says, and it doesn't say these are imperatives. If you look at this passage of scripture and look in the original form of the language, it's imperative. What's imperative mean? Anybody? What's imperative mean? What do you think? It's imperative that you do this. It's a commanded. It's imperative. It's not an option. These are not suggestions from God. If you're going to be a follower of God, you also have to serve him. Guess what? Y'all got something to do in the kingdom of God. If you don't have anything to do anywhere else in this world, I have no purpose. I have no talents. I have no gifts. I don't, you know, got all this stuff in your life you can talk about. That is a lie. God saved you for a purpose to serve him. He's got a service that you're going to supposed to do that he's not supposed to do. And then you've got a purpose that Janice cannot do. Janice got a purpose that Amy does not do. I don't know. I'd like to see you go up in the costume department. So if <laughs> where's the hot glue gun? <laughs> Amy says she can't sew. It's a lie. Because she goes, I can't sew because she don't want to. Because she's walked up there and I look in there. I can hit with position. I'm like, what is that? But it's, but you know what I'm saying? That's 90% of what you need to do. Handwork, right? So we can that you do things to other people. But guess what? When you drop out of the game, suppose we have so many. How many players are on a basketball team? Okay. Okay. But what, have you ever had enough that you didn't have enough to play? What happens? Forfeit the game. So, every one of you have a position on the team. When one drops out and there's no replacements, guess what? It doesn't go so well. Sometimes you have to forfeit. Sometimes what happens, let's say, if you've got five people that's your starter team, am I right? Is that what we call it? They start, they go out on the court, they're playing. One of them gets really tired or they're hurt or whatever. What happens? We put in a sub and they come in, right? So in our walk with the Lord, don't make Jesus have to call a sub or forfeit that game. And what I mean by that is, God's never going to stop his game at doing what he's doing. But suppose he wanted to start a certain ministry in a certain area, and then people just won't step up and do it. And you say, well, that wouldn't happen. That's not how it is with God. Really? Jesus couldn't even do miracles in his own town. So there's places, you know, it wasn't because what Jesus was, was doing. He was out doing what he was supposed to do, but people weren't responding to it. You've got to respond, and you've got to do what God's asked you to do. And, and Lily, if God's called you to do something, you see what I mean? If you don't do it, then Kendra has to pick up the, the load because she's going to say yes to Jesus maybe. You see what I mean? Why make God have to call a sub because you're too sorry to step up to the bat and do what you're supposed to do? Am I right? So we're all called to what? Serve. Jesus was such a great leader because he was such a great servants. And if you want to look at a good picture of who Jesus is, go to Philippians chapter 3. Jesus humbled himself and became, oh, there's that word, obedient, even unto death on the cross. And it goes on to say, he made himself nothing. He was God. He had to humble himself and make himself nothing so he could come down here and serve us so we'd know how to serve the Father because he set the greatest example. Jesus, if you look at Jesus' ministry, you know what Jesus did? All the healings, all the times that he he spoke and he traveled and he fed people and all that. You know all he did? All he did all his life, look up here at me. He served everybody. Some of you seek to be served because you're the divas and what would a guy be, a dova? Can we start that? I'm a dova. Some of y'all are dovas, all right? You're the divas and the dovas of the world. 
All right, there's probably a word for that, but I like that one, okay? And some of you think that your parents are supposed to serve you, that ministries are supposed to serve you, that, you're, that the world's supposed to serve you, and that you're entitled to certain things because you live in this generation, and that you have a right to be mad. And you have a, look, uh, you know, if I call people out, you know, we talked about this. This generation, and it's, it's it's, and it's not politically correct to even do that, talk about a certain generation and kind of making it all a gen- general. But there are certain personality traits becomes because of what the things that you go through as a generation. But your generation, they're very self-seeking. Am I, if you agree with that, can you raise your hand? Okay. And so, but what does that, uh, Philippians chapter 3, the first of it, consider other people better than yourself. Dayla, do you think I'm better than you? Your reaction would be, no, in real life, right? No, nobody's better than me. We're all the same, right? I mean, that's fair, right? Oh, I have 7,000 followers, so that makes me better than her. So what's what's your rule of standard of what? Yeah, but what if I'm a horrible human being? That's probably not a good thing because I'm leaving 7,000 people in the wrong direction. So, yeah. So, do you think that I'm better than you, JC? Bless it. You think I'm better than you? See, you have this self-esteem that's down around your ankles, and that's a lie in some senses, right? So, there's a fine line there. But if we considered other people better, right? If I thought, hey, I'm not better than this person, I need to kneel down, and I need to serve you. And I'll tell you something, Abby, I try. It doesn't look that way sometimes. I would do anything for you to be at the top of your game. I'll do what you tell me what, and I will do it for you. You see what I'm saying? And that's what we should, not just you, but whoever. We need to do that with people. It doesn't always look that way. Some of us don't know how to serve others. And it's not always natural because it's the dirty work. Can I tell you, true ministry is just nasty. You have to serve people. You have to love people that nobody else likes. You have to hang out with the people that people don't really want to be around, whether it's the homeless people at the theater. And if you've ever been with me, and it's not an arrogant thing with me, there's a guy that comes into our theater. He's a homeless man. He's got the dreads that go all over. Y'all know him. He always sits like third or fourth row from the back. He comes in. He's never caused one issue. And sometimes I have to sit and think, God, is this an angel that you're sending to test me? Now, that's how I look at things. So I always, and Eric will tell you this, I walk over and say, you had any popcorn? Do you want something to drink? Are you good? And he'll always tell me, I'm good. I'm I'm good, Mr. Billy. He's always, he says, I love coming in here. I love to hear you speak. He's he's one of the, you know, crazy. He's one of my biggest encouragers. You know why? Because he doesn't have to be there. He's not in a production. He doesn't owe the theater anything. He has nothing to give me. Nothing. And he loves me. It's crazy, isn't it? And sometimes when those words come from somebody like that, say, you, you're a good man, Billy. And I'm like, no, I'm really not. <laughs> I'm mean to people. <laughs> and he said, no, no. You've always been good to me. And so, and so we have to look at that. We have to serve other. You know, am I right? Ever giving you any problems? It should make us cry. But let me ask you something. You know, I'm getting this is loaded. How many from Lamplight Theater? Raise your hands up. Out of those hands, keep your hands up if you've ever spoken to Mr. Eric. If you've spoken to him, you have? Thank you. Because that's what makes the difference. It's serving him and loving him. And so we've got to learn to put others before ourselves, right? And so we've got to serve him. And then I love this next one. It ends with this. We must what? Hold fast. What's that mean? Hold fast. There's a passage of Scripture that says, hold fast. I will hold to that which Christ Jesus has already taken hold of me. So if Christ has ever grabbed your life and pulled him to you when you gave your heart to Jesus, 
then you hold on to that because that's the most precious relationship you will ever have in your life. Far above your parents, far above James, Janice, Amber, far above your brother. That's easy. You know, <laughs> far above a husband. You hear me? You hold to Jesus. You know? Because he's already taken hold of you. Can you imagine? Look up here at me. If you embrace the one who's already embraced you, where your life would be right now. Your father's ready to take you on an adventure you never thought possible. And some of you just still want what you want. And you take back and do what you want. And it's not working out for you. If you have truly given your life to Jesus, he's taken hold of you. Why don't you take hold of him and see where that takes you? Because when you do that, that is that radical follower, that hell or high water, you will hold to him and endure to the end. You see what I mean? Y'all got that? Say, uh-huh. Y'all writing all that down? I got one more statement on here. and you can Write this down. I always leave you with a question or a statement or something. Uh, I don't, did you put this next section up there? It's a bunch of questions. I don't know if I put that on there for them. Thank you. Okay, I want you to look at these. First of all, we, now don't write these down. You can. I want you to think about this real quickly. I want you to go. We'll, we'll go back. Sorry. <laughs> Have you ever wondered if you would be like these men? These men that we look at called apostles, the people that were followers, the disciples of Christ that we know, the 12, who, by the way, does anybody know what happened to them in the end of their lives? What? They were all killed. Now, one, we know one suffered and was boiled, lived through it, but it's another whole story. But he eventually still died. He suffered tremendously, right? So they all became what we call martyrs. We know Stephen by seeing Damascus Road, the life of Paul. He was the first martyr. He died for the cause of Christ. And I said this, how can you, how can we expect you or watching your life thinking that you would ever die for Jesus when you can't even show by the evidence in your life that you even live for him? And so you consider these men, all the apostles, the true, what we call radical. Do you think that they were radical followers? Are they, were they foolish to let people hang them upside down, crucify them, that they, into the last death said, I will not deny Christ, and they took their heads off? You see what I'm saying? Tortured beyond belief. They were going to take, they were not going to take, uh, you know, drop their faith to satisfy anybody or any man. Have you ever wondered what these... It, what if, if you would be like these men and consider these questions, and I don't want you to write anything. If you want these questions later, I'll give them to you, okay? Number one, would you still follow Jesus if it meant losing your closest friends? Can you play some music for me quietly or something or one of you? I don't want, you, I don't want, my, I don't want my players to play, so I just want just to play. He's going to put something on. You can put one of my tracks. I don't care. Okay, well, okay, you're good. Would you still follow Jesus if it meant losing your closest friends? Number two, would you still follow Jesus if it meant alienation from your family? How many of you do not live in a Christian home? Anybody here? I know we have a lot of church kids. You don't necessarily live in a Christian home, right? And it's... It, and that this week they're going, oh, they're going to church camp. Can I be honest with you? It's free babysitting for a week. You're out of their hair. I've been there. It, your faith may cost you something. You know what I'm saying? And for you to stand up to do what Jesus wants you to do, your family might not have anything to do with you. I know it cost your sister some things for a while. Will it cost you? Would you be willing to walk away from your mom and dad to follow what God has for you?
You said, I respect my parents. Am I right? Your parents, your mom may want you to be the greatest artist that ever was. But what if God called you to be a rocket scientist? It doesn't matter how much your mom gets disappointed in what you didn't become for her. By the way, you don't have to meet up to your mom and disease expectations. And trust me, hers are high. She holds me to higher expectations, so I can't imagine what she does for you. And I love it because I means iron sharpening iron. She's in your business. But I want you to listen to me. You're not your sister. God didn't make you like her. But you're no less of a follower than she is. You hear me? And God has his hand on you. He doesn't gift everybody like this. You hear me? Got this? So what are we going to do with it? You don't have to be what your mama and daddy want you to be. But you better be everything that Jesus has called you to be. Tag. Okay? We good? All right. Would you still follow Jesus if it meant alienation from your family? What's the next one? Would you still follow Jesus if it meant the loss of your reputation? You got a reputation. Popular. What if Jesus said, lay that down. Wipe off all your followers. I don't want you to ever pick up Facebook. I don't want you to ever pick up Instagram, Snapchat ever again. I want you to follow me. Let it go. Would you? Would you walk away from those friends that you're trying to get in with to say, I don't have to do that. I'm going to be everything God's asked me to be. Some of you, your reputations, it's not that it's a bad reputation, you see what I'm saying? It's good. But it's even the good things that may not be the great things. Okay. What's the next one? Would you still follow Jesus if it meant losing your job, adults? Angie? Could you walk away from it? I mean, you're, I look at Angie, she's like all that. She knows everybody in Kingsport. You want something done, you say, okay, I can't get through. I'll take care of it. And that's big. And the funny thing is, I don't even see you like that. I just see you as Angie. And I don't care. And that doesn't mean anything to me. But Angie at my theater better stand up and be everything God's called her to be. Even if it means I can't go do this with you. You know what I'm saying? Ricky, would you leave your job? Sometimes we can't stay where we are. Because it's not God honoring. Are you saying that? And it's hard starting over. Ask Justin. How many times? Really? They move. You're popular. People want you. They don't want me. If this job's over for me, I have nowhere to go. I'm gonna be in the. Y'all, will you make sure I get something to eat and treat me like Eric <laughs> at least? Okay. Would you still follow Jesus? Losing your job. What's the next one? Would you still follow Jesus if it meant losing your life? We're in a day and age that we didn't believe something would happen down in, in these schools that somebody's going to come in and pull a gun out and do. We're at points anywhere in our life that that could happen. And if a person walked up to you and held that gun to your head and said, Hey, if you are a believer, I hate people like you, and I'm going to kill you. You deny Christ right now, and I'll let you live. What would you say? Would you deny him and say, well, God will understand this because I'm trying to live. And I've shared with you before, I've held that gun. When my dad didn't know with that gun pointed at your face and said, if you don't open this door, I'm going to blow your brains out. And looking at your father that's supposed to love you and care for you and say to him, pull the trigger, I know where I'm going. Could you say that? And I'm not acting like some both because if you'd asked me prior to that, I'd be, I was like you. Oh. 
But when it really happens, it's pretty amazing how God shows up in that moment and says, it's okay, you're with me. And that's when God gets real. When, when your life demands a sacrifice of something that you love or something you work so hard for, whether it be your reputation, your friends, your family, and then it's going to cost you something. In that moment, Jesus shows up in like the biggest way you could ever imagine. What do you have next? Are you a radical follower of Christ? You've learned everything this week. I don't have anything else to give you. So, it's up to you. God's a perfect gentleman. Will never force himself on you. Um, I need to do something, and God has worn me out last night and this morning. And I need you... um, Denise, I need you to go in the women's bathroom, and I need you to take one of those little pails back there, and I need you to get some water in it. Listen, I'll be honest with you. I know that a message for Beach Week like this is not, it's not for everybody. You know what I would love to see? Not just radical followers. I'd just be glad if somebody said, I'll just, I just want to follow him. I don't know how radical I can be, Billy. I just, I just want to follow him. Sometimes I do think, you know, maybe it's because when we set an example, we're not, we're not what we need to be. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I've had to do a lot of examination. And, and I need to ask you to forgive me for not being radical at times in my life when I probably should. And... So maybe this message wasn't for any of you this week. Maybe the whole time God's been screaming at me again. Get back to the things that are important to me. And so anyway, I know what I have to do today. So I need all the staff from Beach Week to just to come and stand in the line right over here. And the youth leaders from the other churches. Every leader in here. We gotta be a witness. We gotta let the world.